Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Part two, Brian, part two. Absolutely. That's all I can say, part two. And you know, Brian, you know what, I'm, I'm excited about tonight because we are, seldom do you hear a show with men talking about the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Now, you were hearing it in a barbershop. Oh, yeah. But for some reason, it just stays right there inside the barbershop. It's just talk. Tonight is action. These are these are people that we're talking to that are out there doing this work. And, Brian, the work that they're doing is honest work, is clean, is helping others, is it's pulling people up and letting them know that they can dream and have what they dream, and 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 where they are right now, they don't have to stay there. They can always rise above what they're living in. Yes, you know, I I think if you were to use one word to sum up what they're doing, you would use the word positive, because you know, in the media and in our society, there are so many negative things that are, you know, basically thrown at, you know. Uh, bombarded our children, our youth, our families, our our people. And so the fact that we do have these young men out there that are striving to do positive things, they're striving to promote positivity, you know, they're telling them, you know, like you said before, they can rise above their situation. You know, I think that's that's just the beauty in it. Yes, yes, that is. And you know what? We are... We're fellowshipping, and you know uh, the Bible speaks iron sharpens iron. And, sure. and we are going out into the community, and we're taking it back by force. We're not just sitting in offices trying to figure out what we're going to do. We, I mean, we're doing that, but we're also taking it out to people. We're making the connections. We're communicating. And with our new president, mm-hmm. it, it's going to make it a little bit easier because the people now – Brian, they can breathe a little bit easier, but now there's a lot that we have to do. Just because he's in office, that means that that puts pressure on everybody else to say, "Okay, rise up. You got to do more. We can do more. We need to take our communities back. We can do more." Yes, yes, and that's the actual topic for tonight: taking our communities back, part two. And we have on as our guest tonight. Actually, we have several young men as our guest tonight. We have Mr. Larry Simmons, Mr. Marcus Gerard, Mr. Doc Bailey, and Mr. Tony Gaskin. And I'm going to let each one of them introduce themselves and tell a little bit about themselves. We'll start out with, let's see, let's go down the line. We'll, we'll do it alphabetically. Let's start out with Doc Bailey. All right. Hey, how's it going, everyone? My name is Doc Bailey, man. Uh, I, myself, I'm a, I'm a former gang member out of Texas. And uh, I, I I lived in Colorado, in Denver, Colorado, for a little while. And uh, I got involved with gang life at an early age. I was about 11 years old when I was actually introduced to the lifestyle, but I didn't become an actual member until I was about 13. Uh, I'm currently 31 now. Um, I I ended up getting heavily involved throughout my junior my junior high uh, high school year, and. During high school is when I pretty much figured it was getting a little too rough. You know, I, I, I had a couple of my partners who ended up getting killed. Um, I was just getting involved in school in school fights, you know, drive-by shootings in the neighborhood, you know, close to the house, close, you know, close friends ended up losing their lives. And, and I thought, right then I thought I needed to make that change. So that's when I moved to Colorado. And uh, that was an effort to 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 kind of calm my life down from all the gang violence and everything but you know when you when you're around certain things for a certain period of time it's hard to get rid of what you're used to so I ended up getting involved in it again out in out there in Denver in the war and I ended up serving a little time well I got out in 97 and from 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 when I got out of jail in 97 from then on that's when I actually wanted to to really make the change and it's been a step-by-step process, and I really didn't get to where I wanted to be, you know, motivationally until about the year 2000 when uh, 
when I had a life-threatening experience. You know, I almost lost my life. Uh, I had a I had a I had an altercation at a store on the blood side of town. Even though I wasn't game banging no more, but it it kind of rose rose to that level. And uh, my car got shot up, and 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 God's grace was just upon me that day because um, I had a bullet in my head, breast, but neither me or or the person I was with, you know, was was hit and. I honestly feel like, you know, the Lord saved me from that. And from that experience there, that's when I just decided, you know, I need to change my life. And just to cut the story short, try not to make it real long, I um, I ended up moving to Tallahassee. And and when I moved out here, you know, I started to I started to make the easy change. You know, I didn't have the same same, you know, crowd motivating me to do do those type of things and I was actually able to find myself and, and, and I rededicated my life to Christ and since I made that step, you know, he's really been opening my eyes and got me in a direction of gang awareness and prevention and to bring out the 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 the, the positive aspect in, in young men who even though they live a a, a, a threatening lifestyle, you know, it, it motivates me and the past that I had could be an encouragement to them. That way they can see that even though you go through certain things, it's a way that you can pull yourself up, you know, you can rise from the from the standards where society and where people look at you because of certain situations if you just tap in on the inside as your inner strength and, and you feel like, okay, I want better for myself, and that's, and that's the first key. So that's something that I've been doing in the community here since 2000. To, well, 2005 is when I actually got started. So, but that's just a little bit about myself, and you know, I'm 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 honored to to be in the midst with all you guys there because we're all out for the same purpose, and that's to encourage and, and to build our youth up. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. All right, and next we have uh, author Tony Gaskins. Uh yes, sir. Um, I'm Tony Gaskins. I'm 24. I'm the author of Reclaiming Our Youth, One Day at a Time, and also the tell-all book, What Daddy Never Told His Little Girl. And I'm currently uh, making a film based off my first book, What Daddy Never Told His Little Girl. And so that's another thing God uh, brought me into, the filmmaking, and I'm a motivational speaker. And that's it. All right. Next we have Mr. Marcus Gerard. Hey, brothers, how are you doing tonight? All right, all right. Excellent. All right, how you doing, brother? Doing well, thank you, by God's grace. I'm back safely in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I would like to greet all of the brothers who are on the line with a great deal of love and respect for you and, and what you do every day to try to reach our people in your respective ways. May God bless you this year and increase you and your families tremendously. I am a Brother Marcus. Um, I am very simply your brother and servant, and I'm very honored to be on this panel with you all, and I hope that there is something that you will say that I will learn and help me to do what I do a great deal better. Um, sure. That's about it. All, all right. right. And last but not least, we have Mr. Larry Simmons. All right. How y'all brothers doing? Great, great. Uh, sound like you got some powerful brothers on this forum tonight, and I look forward to uh, engaging in, in great dialogue with these wonderful brothers. Uh, my name is Larry Simmons. I'm uh, originally from Pensacola. Uh, moved over to uh, Jacksonville, worked in uh, case management, uh, child welfare, uh, as a social worker. Uh, but growing up in Pensacola, uh, you know, I kind of, like most of these young men, just hang out and uh, use drugs and fighting and, you know, just, just, just negativity, stealing and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but God saved me from a life of juvenile delinquency by uh, having a gentleman to start a football team. That was my dream, to play football, and uh, we didn't have a program in our community, so quite natural, we we basically got in little trouble and, you know, because we had nothing to do. But this gentleman started a football team in my neighborhood, and that, that put me on the path. And ultimately I was able to uh, eventually go back to 
social work degree. And just by my own experience and, and then getting this professional experience as a social worker, I just have a passion to reach out to these young men who are sitting around talking about robbing people and selling drugs to get by. So I'm just glad to be a part of this, this cause to uh, hopefully put an end to gang violence and, and young kids destroying their lives. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I yeah. think that's I think yeah. that's everybody. Is it, Brian? Yes, sir. I, you know, I, I want to ask this first question, and, and, I, and I'll go to uh, Tony. Uh, Tony, what do you think is the key element of reaching out to our youth and letting them know that they can be more, that they can come off of the streets and turn down that 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 job of pushing dope or doing whatever it is illegal and, and, and do something structured and positive, even though that job may they may make fifteen hundred dollars a week. What's the first step? What do you think is the first step in reaching these brothers? I believe we got to um, step out and be more interactive with the youth. And uh, me, myself, I, I live by the three Ps when I'm dealing with um, the youth that I'm trying to reach and uh, the guys that I mentor. I have a system that I call the three Ps, and that's purpose, plan of action, and parenting. And under the purpose, I help them identify their gifts, and I tell them what their gifts can do for them and how they can live a, a stable a stable life. And and I teach them that their purpose must serve a purpose. So they may have the gift to gap. They probably could sell water to a well, snow in the winter, but if they're using that gift to sell drugs, then their purpose has no purpose. So I teach them that their purpose must serve the world in a positive way. And then with the plan of action, I help them get on a fast track, a career path to fulfill the purpose. I make it plain, and I show them the distraction that's going to come their way, and I be open and transparent on my mistakes in that area and that strength. And lastly, the parenting, to me, that's uh, it's not a noun. A lot of people look at a parent as they have to be their biological uh, mother or father, but I believe anybody can step in and be a parent to a child and then take a village to raise and so with that I step in and I, I give guidance and correction and positive reinforcement and I teach my peers the people around me that anybody could play this role so that's that's what I stand by the three P's okay okay awesome you know one of the things that I've learned by working with our youth is that every youth wants to be told what to do. Yeah. Right. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's correct. And the thing is, when they learn when they when they find somebody who is willing to teach them, you know, and and I'm trying to remember what Greg Greg had this saying that um and he would always say, he says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. You know, and so I truly believe that these children are ready to be instructed. And what happens is that negative people come in and they take the place of positive role models. And these kids soak it all in and they take it all in because they're ready to be taught. That's right. I want to ask... Uh, Actually, I'm going to ask uh, Tony, what do you find when you finally connect with a a young person? What what do you find the most intriguing thing about that young person is? To me, I look at them, I I look at it like uh, myself being the potter and them being the clay. And it's that they're yearning and they're seeking for that instruction. They 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 light up when you show them the possibilities of what that gift can do for their life. I remember teaching a group of eighth graders and they found out I was an author and they saw me I had two cell phones and I had a nice car. And so they were like, Man, how you do that? Teach me how to do that. Next time I came back to them, they hadn't already started writing their own book. They was like, Man, this is how you make it, this is how you get money. So I just I realized that they they yearning for, for purpose, and they, they want a plan of action. They want you to put that in their life and show them the path to success, and they'll do whatever it takes. And a lot of times, us as mentors, 
we don't get to them or, or we see them and we may not reach out because we get too busy or tied up and it'd be the gang members and the drug dealers that step out there and say, hey, we your family, we'll take you in, we got you. And that's when they go down the wrong path. Yeah, Doc, you, you want to you wanna talk about that, add, add something to that, Doc? Well, no, nah, I mean, I was I was really agreeing with on everything he was saying. And, I mean, I could just, I could relate to that in, in a way because, you know, when, when I was coming, it was it was a lot of it was a lot of people who I seen doing positive, but they didn't have the time to to share it with me. But those who were doing negative that I seen gradually increasing, like they like they they money. I see them having nice co- nice clothes, nice things. You know, sometimes I see them pulling up in nice cars. You know, me at a young age, you know, and that and that was something that was motivating me, and that's kind of what attracted me to that lifestyle. Because I seemed like, you know, it seemed like to me the people who were doing good were more on the, on the self pleasing, on the self pleasing side, but the people who were out doing all the dirt was more willing to invite me in as long as you know they're not they're not hogging all the benefit. They're trying to include me and trying to help me get help me get the things that they have. But it wasn't until I got older that I realized that all of that was 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 false. You know, it was a lie. But at the time, though, that was intriguing to me. And that's what a lot of these young men, you know, that's what they need right now. They need more positive men, positive role models to, you know, make time for them. And, and right. that's something that, that, you know, that I'm trying to, to demonstrate, you know. I mean, it, it, when when they see somebody, you know, just for instance, like like a lot of people, they, they, they cling to this to this music industry, to the, you know, to that type of lifestyle that they portray. And they, they got all the the cars, they got all the bling and all this and that, you know, they're, they're out there glorifying, you know, doing wrong, but they're saying, look, this is what we got, you know, even though we out here doing this, but in actuality, a very small percentage of the people that's out there doing them type of things actually gain that, right. you see what I'm saying, yeah. and, but, but, I mean, that's all I, that's all I had to okay. add to that, but. Okay, Brother Marcus, when you're yeah. out there and you're and you're talking to uh, youth groups or whatever, you know, what do you find the most, well, let me see how I can put this. What do you find their needs are? You know, what are the needs of our youth? Well, it's a couple of things. Um, You know, oftentimes in church we say, he looked beyond my fault and he saw my needs. One of the main things that you are up against as you train young people in 2009 is their tremendous ignorance. Um, many of these young people are very uh, surfacey, surface dwellers. They, they're not deep in terms of their depth of understanding of, of really anything, and it's because they don't read much. Uh, a lot of these young people... Uh, haven't been taught much in their home, so when you step in front of them to teach them, you have to be prepared to teach them everything. Uh, many of our young men, particularly, you know, they, they lack basic knowledge of so much stuff that you're almost at a loss of where to begin. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, sad that, you know, a lot of the programs that we, we uh, operate from uh, you know, have very limited budgets, and even in this financial crunch that we're in, that makes it uh, the budget even tighter. So you don't have even as long as you used to have with that young person, but you start getting bonded to them, you start getting attached to them, and before you know it, your grand is ended, and now it's time to go. Uh, that's always sad because you, you see that you just scratched the surface with them, because there's so much that they need. You're there to teach maybe a curriculum to them. You're there to, to try to give them some anger management. But the more you get involved with each of these young brothers' lives, these young sisters' lives, you see, oh, my God, they got so much going on. And, again, when you, when you uh, confront the tremendous ignorance that they have, the immaturity, it, it can wear you down if you're not a very spiritual person and don't see your work and classify your work in, in very spiritual terms. So I work. I've been able to. Hello? 
still there? Hello. Marcus, are you there? I'm here. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can, I can hear you. All right. I'm sorry. That's okay. But yeah, I was finished. I don't. I don't want to take up all the time. Okay, okay. We, we had some. We'll get all right, all right. I, I, I don't know where it came from, but that's okay. Larry, I, I want to go with Larry. Larry, uh, we know that you're you're here and you're you're dealing with the kids in some pretty bad areas of, of, of Tallahassee. Um, what what are the kids' thoughts when you sit down and you talk with them? What are their thoughts? Well, uh, a lot of the kids they they, they feel abandoned. Uh, they feel like they're out there by themselves. A lot of them don't have that male role model in their lives. Uh, a lot of times, young people are angry. I, I think because they don't have that uh, love and, and and that role model in their lives. So. You see a lot of anger uh, in these young people, uh, and they don't see uh, life in the way that we see it. Uh, we see it as an opportunity to advance our careers uh, or whatever, but a lot of them have, you know, basically lost hope in society, and they're just looking uh, for someone to approach them and say, hey, we believe in you, you know, let's work together. So that, that's what I'm saying and in, in, in what I do uh, in my work and in the area that I'm, I'm working with, with the housing authority. Okay, okay. We have we have another guest on the, on the line right now. Uh, Jacob, are you there? Yes, I am, sir. How are you okay. doing today? Yes. How you I'm doing sorry, today? I'm a little late. I had a few technical difficulties. <laughs> that's okay, brother. That's okay. Uh, tell us your name and tell us a little bit about you. We'll, we'll bring you right on in and you can jump right in with us. Okay. Uh, my name is uh, Jacob Eaton and... Uh, I formerly worked with the Obama campaign, and in the past, um, in, my, in my former capacity in Washington, D.C. area, um, I had a lot of experience with uh, with um, nonprofit groups and community activism. So when I came down here, I saw there was a need, so um, I just I got involved, and I uh, got energized and activated. So okay, good. that's my brief story. You know, uh, Jacob, when, when dealing with Europe and Washington, and, and I don't know where you lived before that, but mm-hmm. what what was the, the 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 atmosphere with youth? What what did you run into? What what is it? Well, to be perfectly honest, I find the problem is is a uh, um, a lack of vision. A lot of times, it's a, it's a, it seems to be an issue where you have people that feel like you know they have they're hopeless. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, and then the leadership that they get sometimes is not necessarily the proper leadership. Um, the leadership in a lot of communities, even here in Tallahassee, is that you see the leadership is coming from the drug dealers, or the leadership is coming from people in the community that are not necessarily up to the up to doing the best things for the people. Right. So, the same problems that are in Washington are the exact same problems here. That what I find. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, go ahead. I'm sorry. Someone was about to say something. Okay, but brother Marcus, you want to add something to that? Uh, say the question one more time, big brother. I was asking, what was the overall atmosphere with the youth that you come in contact with? Well, the the overall atmosphere, and I I want to say that I I agree with everything that everybody has said. Uh, these young people are the toughest uh, generation we've ever produced uh, because the time and the circumstances that produced them have made them such. You know. Just anybody can't work with young people. You have to be a very specially well-made man to deal with this particular mindset that is among our young people. Um, And I think that many people, uh, because they know instinctively that they're not equipped to deal with the, the mentality and the mindset that's among this generation, they shy away from it. Uh, as one brother said, the young people feel abandoned. They were born, some of them, to mothers and fathers that never wanted them in the first place and are actually bold enough to tell their children to their face, I wish I would have never had you. I wish that I would have uh, 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 aborted you. And so what you have among our young people, a lot of them, they feel like they are aborted life. 
you know, they, they, uh, they've been born, but they don't feel like their life is worth nothing, you know. And when you got young people who don't really think much of themselves, that's why they don't feel too bad about taking your life or my life or whoever gets in their way. And the, the mentality that is among our young people is and highlighted by the music that they listen to and ingest in their minds every single day. They ingest murder. They ingest hatred. They ingest drugs. Uh, we, we can fight drugs, but until we start talking to our rap brothers who are rapping this ignorance, until we start talking to those record executives who don't mind allowing a young brother to get on there and rap about what color rag he got in his back pocket until we go to Plies and the people who, who put him out there and tell Plies to please stop, you know, putting this ignorance about being a full-blooded goon on the radio and in the re in your CDs. Until we can influence them, then these young people, they making our job as people who work, who are directly on the ground with these children, they make our job all the more harder because after you give this young brother, these young sisters, the very best that you can, they hop on the MP3 player and they start walking down the street and in just a few seconds, everything that you didn't say to them is almost undone. Yeah, yeah. and, and that was powerful. But... <laughs> that was real powerful. I apologize, man, because I, I just feel 100%, you know, behind them on that. And, and you know, and just like he said, we need to start going to these to these music artists and to these producers and, and really, and, and really, you know, direct all of this to them because, you know, they look at it like, oh, this is just entertainment. People are going to do what they want to do. Yes, true enough, but if you continuously feed them this, this is what's motivating. If you already know that they enjoying the, the music, okay, first we grab their attention with just the beats, okay? The beaches will grab their attention. But once they once once the attention is there, then that's when they start listening, and then that's what's feeding into them. So that, that's something that, that's going to be, you know, just like you said, that's something that we need to tap into. And that, and once we can tap into that, I feel like, yeah, that, that will be our most direct approach that we can convince them. That that they going down the wrong path, and then they then you know maybe they maybe they'll start to think a little more deeper instead of just their pockets, you know, because all they thinking about is you know well sex sales, well murder sales, and this and this and that. They are, all they thinking about is what's selling. They're not thinking about the overall effect of what they're doing. You see what I'm saying? And and that's what I feel. I feel like music is the most influential throughout all this because that's what everybody's into now. Well, can I can I can I interject something into that that, yes, ahead, that for a second? Um, one thing that I find is that, um, like say for example, we go to protest the record industry, that can be ineffective on some on, on a few different levels. Um, one is that we we have we're in the communities right now, okay. And if we just think about hip-hop, where did hip-hop come from? It came from the neighborhoods. The message was a message of the neighborhood. It was a message of what was going on. So if that's what's going on, then that's what's going on. But the more important thing is what are we going to do to change it? What are we going to do to change the messages in our communities? What type of actions, what type of plans? Because the problems have been the same problems that we have now, the same problems that we've had for at least the past 50 years. And before that, past 100 years, a similar set of problems. And those problems are access to resources, education, adequate health care, crime, institutional racism. So before we can get to any of this, and as far as with our youth, we have to combat and attack those problems. I believe in going to a problem at its source. I believe to, to dig down deep and look at the problems and say, okay, what are the problems here? What, how are we going to address these issues? And until we do that, we can talk about the, the effects of what the problem is, but we're not quite getting down and digging down deep and getting to the problems. So I say all that to say that what we need to be doing is to attack the issues. What are the issues in our community? Access to health care political awareness, health care, jobs, education, job training, institutional racism. You know, I, I want to I add on to that a little bit. 
I think the key part of everything that you said, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think the key part of it is education. That's right. That's because right. it's, it's about what we feed our youth. That's right. You know, and I was going to go to Mr. Simmons. Is that you talking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Please uh, come in because that's what hey. I was going to ask you about, you know, about what you see the children eating as far as, you know, knowledge-wise. Okay, well, all of these brothers have have, have expressed uh, in, a very, in a very eloquent way about what's actually going on. But what, what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing and what I see every day, and, and coming from a perspective uh, of a, so, a social worker, you know this 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 battle is going to be fought on, on many 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 levels, and this, this is this has to be a movement, uh, a grassroots movement starting in our communities, and bring young people. Uh, into this thing through through our work through these communities, we have to empower them to empower each other. If we don't get these young people on board, uh, part of this movement, you know, boycotting records uh, industries and and all of that stuff is, is something we got to do. But unless we get these young people to to bring each other up. Then I think we're, we're going to lose this battle if we don't see that we need to uh, bring them up as as we uh, address the political and the educational and social and, and all these other issues. But we got to get in these communities and build a movement from the grass from a grassroots level. And Greg and I had a had, had a short conversation uh, about you know. You know, extending this this message into the community so everybody can get involved because this thing is so big yeah. and it, it impacts so many of us. We have to bring the whole community. We got to get the whole community involved. We, you know, we just can't do this by ourselves. We we need to bring everybody to the table, and we need to get forums out there in the community, in these in these college campuses, in these churches. So we so we can bring people together. I, I just I just can't get off of that coalition building thing. You know, we yeah, just got to so come together and attack this thing from a lot of different levels. And Tony and, and I know Tony is about to go crazy. I know he's about to go crazy on that end because Tony and I were just talking about the things that Jacob uh, and and Marcus and Doc were talking about. Tony, I know you want to say something. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I really believe that we have to expose the truth when it all boils down to it. Uh, the young man that was speaking about the health care and the education and things like that, I honestly believe that that would be a harder task than approaching the rappers and the record labels and getting them to change their message. When I deal with the youth and I look at the youth, I see here in Tampa everybody want to be tough, everybody want to be a thug, everybody want to be a goon. Reason being is because they see those people making the most money, whether they're a street-level drug dealer or whether they're uh, a platinum-selling rapper, they, both of them are goons. And so when they see that, I honestly believe that when we expose the truth and show these youth that they're being bamboozled, show them that they're being used, and show them that these rappers that's telling them, be a goon, chop heads off, sell drugs, do this and do that, show them that those rappers really soft. Them rappers went to college. Them rappers had a good mother or a good mother and father, what never, don't have no record, you know, and, and they they just putting this music out, and they got these kids listening and going and getting real records and then can't never uh, pursue their dreams. And I believe that's a part of that, that grassroots movement, getting in there and exposing the truth and, and teaching the youth this. But it's so hard because we have rappers, and see, rappers don't even understand how powerful this platform is because they have a platform to where, if you go to a youth, if I go to a youth, and it's me versus Plies or me versus 50 Cent, the youth going to say, well, look at you. You average, you regular, and look at him. He multimillionaire. Who am I going to listen to? You see, unless the truth is exposed. And then these rappers, they they being used by the enemy. they being used by the devil and don't even know it. And they, they set up to where they send mixed messages. So on one end, he's saying, he got a song say, somebody love you. So he's telling them I love you, and he got a system set up that's giving them $1,000 for college. But then on the other hand, his music saying, sell drugs, 
kill anybody that snitch on you. And so he's sending this message. So they saying, okay, he loves me. And since he loved me, since he cared for me, since he given scholarships, I need to listen to what he's telling me. And that's what's killing our youth, and that's what the devil using, and that's why that's what the media used. It, against the black race, they used snappy beats, people dancing around on the Mike Donald commercial. The, look at all our commercials, we dancing and saying. And so yeah. music is the most powerful tool, and that's what we got to attack. Before before the health care, before those things, because a lot of them can't even understand that stuff. People voted for Barack and don't even know what going green mean, don't even know what uh, the you know the stipulations in their health care is. They voted, you know, based on its color, on the change. And so when we get down to that grassroots movement, we make it plain, we make it simple, and that's what I try to do, help them understand Get on their level. And the only thing they hear, and like the brother say, they iPods. No, that's what you got to talk to. That's the, so me personally, I sit down and I write letters and to these rappers, and I talk to these rappers, and, and God put me in touch with a billboard topping artist um, on the plane coming from Atlanta. And I talked to this man. This guy sold millions of records in 2007. He was the number one artist for months at a time, and God sat me right by that man. And he told me the truth. He said, man, I wasn't never no thug. I ain't never do none of that stuff. And he said, that's why I couldn't sleep at night. But he said, this last year, I done got in the church and I done changed my life. And now I'm dropping another album in April of this year, and I see things completely different now. So he said, man, I'm ready. Because I'm re- I, I, I ghostwrite, and I'm a biographer. He said, man, I'm ready to work with you. I'm ready to tell all. I'm ready to let the youth know that they being bamboozled. Let them know that our hand as rappers is being forced to put out this garbage because that's what they want us to put out. So that's why we being forced now to form our own labels and become commercialized because them rappers can't sleep at night. So once we hit them and we convince them to stop using that platform to promote violence and drugs, man, I, I believe our whole world, our whole lives going to start to change. And then we can increase the education and, and all that other type of knowledge. Okay, and I understand where you're coming from with that, but this is the problem. Even if we do get through to these rappers, infrastructure issues, if we haven't created a fertile bed of information to get disseminated, if we haven't created the paperwork to the, the flyers, the pamphlets, the rappers to, to speak about something different, because there are rappers who've been out there for the past 20, 30 years. I mean, back in the day it was public enemy. It's been common since the, since the, since the 1990s. We've had rappers out there. It's KRS-One since the 80s. So there have been rappers and there have been people out there giving these positive messages. Some people listen to them, but it doesn't have mass appeal. And the problem that you run into is that where we do not control, as a people, we do not control our own message. Who consumes the most rap music? It's not black kids. It's white kids in suburbia. They buy the most albums. They buy the iPods. We get it for bootleg. Okay, we may dress like that a lot of times, and we may emulate that, but we're not the ones consuming this stuff. So if it's not, not T.I. saying it, it's going to be somebody else saying it. And because poverty is so great in our communities and in our areas, is that these messages, it's, it's still going to get out. It's still going to be always someone else that wants to give up that money for the dollar to sell his soul to do that. But what I'm talking about is this is that if we want to make real, long-lasting change, we have to, we have to develop programs, infrastructure, get these youth early so they can understand, okay, look, what you see on the radio or what you see on TV, what you hear on the radio is not reality. That is not something to emulate. That is, that is show business. Just like how in the back of the day, black people were portrayed in a certain way on the TV, which wasn't real to, to the majority of our lives. It wasn't real to us. But yet, so now we're emulating the way that America wants us to be. Fifty years ago, they had us running around like coons and mammies and things like that. And, you know, we didn't emulate that. We said, well, that's not real black people. But now we're doing it to ourselves, and we're actually emulating those images of coons and mammies and Jezebels and all those other different images. So what I'm saying is is that before we can build a movement, we have to make sure we have a platform, we have a list of different things that we want people to know about and understand, 
from the back end. You have to work these things from the back end. For example, I hate to use this example, but I'm going to have to use it because it's, it's kind of similar to our condition. Chairman Mao Zedong, when he went to take over his country, no matter how bad what the things he did to his country, but when he went to take over his country, what did he do? He sat down with his group of advisors and said, and they strategized and they planned and they plotted of how they were going to capture the minds of the masses. They didn't do it on mass media. They did it on the underground. They formulated their minds to a certain platform. They agreed upon a certain platform of the things that they wanted to see done for their society. And then they acted upon that. And their society has been forever changed. From, from that point on, that country went from a fifth-rate fifth um, third-world country to now the second largest country, and the largest country in the world, and in the next century sometime it may be even the number one superpower and pushing us into the second place. So when I look at the black nation and I look at our people, is that we have to come with, a, with almost like a Manhattan project. We have to come with a project and, and plans and, and, and strategize with our best thinkers, our best, our best communicators, and sit down and, and, and strategize these things. We have everything that we need in our community to fix all of our problems. But what's holding us back? And I ask that question to the panel. Yes. Let, let me say this before the, the panel uh, answers. I, I, I think, uh, Brother Jacob, I understand what you're saying, and Tony, I understand what, what, what you're saying, and I think we're all trying to get to the same place. But I oh, think, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I really believe that in different areas you have to come a different way. I really do believe that. I believe that you have to have you have to strategize, like you said, and have a plan to deal with these kids based on where they are. You have some kids that are just absolutely lost, don't go to church, don't have any structure at all, and then you have some kids that are in a structured environment, but they are weak and they're not leaders, so they tend to follow other people. Follow, yes, right. Yeah. So, so I really believe that 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 you have to really get a map and figure out where these kids are and what they're doing. And, Tony, I know you live that. I know you live that. I know you live what you're talking about. And Jacob, I know you've probably you, you've done your research, and, and, you, and it's great, but I really believe it's based on the, the, the side of town or, or where these kids are located. But before we go any further, Brian, I think we have a caller. Yes, and this caller has been patiently waiting, and so I want to bring them in. Caller from the seven. Seven zero area code. Do you have a comment or a question? Caller from the seven seven zero area code. They may just be listening. Yeah. Well, keep listening. You've been on a while, so wants to continue to listen. Hey, can, can I can I interject something? Absolutely. Uh, I, I spent about six years in the military, and you know. Uh, even the military has a has a strategy where, uh, you know, they they fight battles on, on different types of fronts. You you have a signal corps, you have uh, you have airborne rangers, you got you got these air assault guys, you got these different units and different divisions doing different things. That's right. Our problems with our young people and, and all the other problems we have in our community, they're going to have to be fought on different battlegrounds. We have to be doing all of these things with with all the aggressiveness and, and intelligence possible in order to get a handle on this thing. We got to we got to work at the political level. We got to work with the music industries. We got to work in the community with the kids. We got to do it all. We got to attack it, and that's why we we got to come together, and we got to mobilize strategically, like like the brother said. So that that's my contribution to that that concept. We we just got to fight at at different levels. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with you, brother Simmons. You know the thing that I that I as I'm listening, you know you're absolutely right. It's like a battle from land, sea, and air. Right. You know when. When they came in, they didn't just drop bombs down and then, you know, left it alone. They had ships in the water in case you tried to go one way. They had bombs coming from the air in case you're trying to, you know, get up in the air. You know, so 
I think that's the, that's really the central point of what we have to do. You know, to be perfectly honest, I think we do have a plan. I think there are some programs that are currently in place, underfunded, or maybe not funded. Exactly. That are, so there are, there are solutions that we have to every single problem. We already have them, just like the brother Jacob said. You know, the the key pat, the key part of it is that we have to become mobilized. Exactly. And part of that problem is that we don't have enough black men becoming mobilized. When I go to programs, when I go to events, and uh, I do a lot of work with abstinence education and HIV prevention, and all I see are women. I see women doing the background work. I see women doing the front ground work. I see women in in charge. I see women doing all this work. And the biggest question in the world is, where are all the men? We I was just involved with a, um, a SOS conference here in Florida. It was the Capital City SOS conference this past weekend, and it was for the fight against HIV and AIDS with our young black women. Right now, they have the highest number of new cases, and. I was probably one of the few males that was there in the background doing stuff. And I'm telling you, I was working my tail off, and I kept asking the question, how come you can't get 300, 400 men out here like this? You know, last year we did a men's health conference. We might have had 100 people there. You know, and that was with all the staff people that came in and volunteered their help. And most of them were women. Yeah, I mean it's 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 sad to I mean what what I've noticed even 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 myself because I I even used to think this way you know I wasn't no man unless I was you know I was out there doing certain things that's what made me a man I, I you know I I see a lot of them looking at if you if you're trying to do good by the women if you're trying to do good in your community if you're trying to do good in any way you they consider you soft you see what I'm saying. And, and I think more of our men are trying to keep that hard image, trying to keep that, well, I'm a man, you know, man, you know, we, we, we play, we do this, you know. And I think a lot of them are trying to hold that, that beside that image, and that's why we're not showing the the the, the standout numbers of, of where the real men at, you know. And I think that's something that we need to tap into, just like they said, the lack of uh, the just, just pure ignorance, you know. They – over the generations, you know, more men are not being the providers of the home and not being there, so they they got the wrong conception of what a real man is. You see what I'm saying? So I feel like, and that's 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 just the proof right there. Yes, brother Marcus, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know you want to. I know you have something. <laughs> well, <you> no. <laughs> <laughs> As you do this work, you learn to be very patient. Yes. yes. And. Um, you know, I, I do believe that um, the condition of our people is such that it is as if we are on a death march. And, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, we who are out there working, you know, with our, our youth and our young people, and and really, it's not really their fault. They 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 are the um, the product of of the confusion and the madness of the adults that are out here. We produce them. The tree is known. The scripture says by the fruit that it bears. Amen. We can't condemn the young people who is the fruit of our womb unless we condemn our own selves. But then we are the product of America, and America cannot condemn our community as black people when we were shaped and molded in their hands for our entire life and since we stepped foot in North America. So the problem is much deeper than, you know, even any of us have discussed, and I really do believe that, in a few more days, God will allow circumstances that will come up that will step across all of the lines and all of these barriers that are in our community. And, and the, the situation that is upon us now financially 
is so tough and is going to be so tough over this next year that we all are going to overcome some barriers to get with each other and find ways to to be with each other where we thought we didn't need each other, we didn't want to see each other no more. But the circumstances that are in the world today are going to force us to come together. So, you know, I think that our young people are going to be okay, but I do believe that we as the adults, we got some things in our lives that we got to clean up, and we got to really turn back to God. And if we turn back to God, then, as I said on the last program, he will heal our land. But if we, you know, we can try all these solutions that we propose tonight, but if the ultimate solution is not turning our wretched, filthy lives back to God and dedicating our life to trying to live and do more of his will, then all of what we're talking about is in vain. Yes, Amen, brother. And I, I just have to agree with you because, I mean, that's what it took for me. Yes. You yes. Know, I mean, that's exactly what it took. I had to rededicate my life to Christ, and then it wasn't until that, that, that time and that moment that I actually looked at my life and seen everywhere where he brought me from, and I see the, the direction that he's moving me. So, yeah, that, that's something that we we must all instill on, not only up on, on ourselves but up on everyone else so that way they can see their direction. Right, right. And I had a question for Tony. Tony, you, you're, uh, you're, you're in the church. You do a lot in the church. What what are the kids? Uh, what type of reception are the kids getting when they go to the church? Are they being welcomed in, welcomed in, or, or are they being pushed out because they look so different than the congregation that are sitting there? A lot of the kids being pushed away. They're not uh, being accepted in, in the churches because, in, in a sense, that's why I wrote the book, Reclaiming Our Youth One Day at a Time. And when you read it, you would think I'm trying to reach the world, but actually I'm I'm preaching to the church youth because when you really sit down and talk to them, it's almost no difference between, uh, you know, they walk a fine line between the church youth and, and the secular children. And and so a lot of times I go to church and I see the church youth uh, with the long, thick uh, necklaces, they call them chunks, with the dreads, with the golds. They look just like the world. And a lot of people can't. Uh, tell the difference, but sometimes when you talk to that youth, God may be using him in a certain way to where he looked like him, so he get, he liked the, in a negative sense, we'll call it a wolf in sheep's clothing, but on this side, he working for God, so he looked just like him, so he could get in there with him, and then he taking and ministering to their lives, but a lot of times the church folks look at him and condemn him, and they look down on him, and so they being pushed away, and I see so many youth uh, give up on church and give up on God because they're not being accepted. So I, I've been dealing with uh, a, a church lately, and I go in there and I just feel the spirit. And I look around, ain't nobody in three-piece suits. Ain't nobody got to take 66-month classes. No, They're not judging one another, but they're realizing that, hey, Jesus was uncommon, just like Tony Dungeon book. Jesus was uncommon. He He didn't run with the Pharisees and the holier than thou. He was with the lowly. He walked with the lowly, with, with the harlots. You see, and, and that's what our church got to realize is that it's time now. We got to cross. We got to cross them lines. We got to cross the barrier, and, and we got to go and get in the world and stop uh, clicking up and feeling holier than thou and looking down on the youth that's uh, dressed a little different or got an earring in his ear and get to know the heart of them. Exactly, my brother. Yep. Yes, Brian, are you there? Yes, I am. I had okay. to switch phones. I've been running the batteries low. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I wanted to try to get everybody's information, but we have so many people online with us tonight. Let's just run real quick, if we can, just be very brief. Just give out a, your name and an email address. Uh, yes, uh, I'll go. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll start with... Um, Doc. All right. Doc Bailey, you can reach me at, at Doc, D-O-C, Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at Ymail.com. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm Mark Gerard. Okay. Um, I would like to give uh, my um, website, www. 
dot Marcus Gerard M A R C U S Gerard G I R A R D dot com www dot Marcus dot com. Okay, Tony Gaskin. I could be reached through reclaimtheyouth.com, reclaimtheyouth.com. Go to the contact us page. Okay. And Mr. Simmons. Yes. Uh, my uh, email address is uh, Lawrence, uh, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, 1957 at net. Jacob, you can contact me at Jacob Eaton. That's J-A-C-O-B-E-A-T-O-N at Hotmail.com. Okay, good. Awesome. I had a question for uh, Larry. Larry, you know, we're all, we're, we're all in this fight. We're all in this struggle together. And we're mm-hmm. seeing the Democrats and the Republicans, we're seeing them fight a little bit, but there's a change happening. And I think the way that this thing is being fought out on television, you know, some are fighting against what? the president is trying to do but i think if he can hold his ground the same as us when we go out in the communities it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to get on the same page because this all of this wasn't created overnight it's going to take a while to to break it down so we have to keep chipping at it a little bit at a time a little bit at a time how how would you you know when you call in the conferences and workshops and seminars and things mr simmons what are you telling the parents as far as being patient and the children as far as being patient for change? Well, a lot of that, that work is, is before me, and uh, so we're preparing ourselves to go forward with an agenda to, to really, really reach our, our, our residents and, and our community uh, residents as well. But I, I definitely agree with you about the, the tone in our country uh, the division. I've been writing a lot of notes on uh, uh, Facebook to, to try to address some of that. I mean, you know, with, with all what's going on in our society now, uh, we hear, we still hear a lot of nasty division, and, and we all know what the Word of God says about division. You know, and if we don't come together as Americans, you know, regardless of what political affiliation. Uh, we're we're, we're going to go the way of Rome. That's one of the titles of one of the notes that I wrote. Let's not go in the way of Rome. Rome was a great empire, just like America, uh, one of the great democracies in, in modern times. But there's so much division, uh, not only in politics, but even in, in our churches. There's, there's so much division. And if we don't come together, our nation is going to fall, and we're going to fall like a great giant. So we, we really need to come together as a nation and stop uh, being so uh, entrenched in our own narrowness and, and, and work together and, and change our country. Barack Obama, I love him to death, and I work my butt off for him. He cannot do this alone. He even told us that. He told us. That change won't come from Washington. It has to come from us. And that's the concept that I, I carry around in my heart every day. And I try to portray that in, in every way that I can. Awesome. 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 Well, you know, we want to thank you, brothers, for coming on tonight. You know, I think it's just a beautiful thing when we can have a group of brothers come on and talk about things that are positive. You know, like I said earlier, you know, it's a it's almost a rarity that you can even get brothers to talk, much less come on and discuss issues that are, you know, first of all, near and dear to my heart, but are also important for my people and our country as a whole. You know, the things that we're talking about, whew, I mean, once we see the beginnings of a change in our youth, once we see the beginnings of the change, of the mindset of our communities, I think we'll be overwhelmed with joy. Oh, yes. And, Brian, real quick, now I'll let you finish. I'm getting hit after hit after hit. People are coming in. They're, they're catching us on the tail end, and everybody wants to know, are we going to do this again? And, and, and I'm assuring them we have everybody's contact information, and we're definitely going to do this again. And, and hopefully, my brother, we take this message 
into the community, uh, do some Tavis Molly type farms in, in the community, and take this thing to the street, brother. That's, I hope I hope and pray that at some point uh, we just get bold with this message to our college campuses and to our churches and build a coalition of people that's going to address these issues that we talked about. So, yeah, let's continue to do this until we until we uh, capture this energy and, and, and run with it. All right. And with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we thank you for joining us this evening. Please come back and listen to us on Monday evening at 9 p.m. where we'll have another exciting show. Good evening, and God bless you all. God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. Brothers.